Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present one of the foremost media gods in the country is with us today. She's a media sensation <laughs> and and she's a special lady. Her name, yes, indeed. We we worship you. We worship you. <laughs> gracious, we are so glad that you're here. She she is a dynamic individual from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yes, indeed. And she was she would have been here a little earlier, but she got stuck behind a horse and a buggy. I'm kidding. At times that happens. At times that happens. Now, what's the rule? Are you allowed to pass a horse in a buggy? Yes. Oh, that's good. I, I'm just, I'm always very careful. I'm always very careful. Some people aren't. Run into a horse. <clears throat> that would be embarrassing if you ran into a horse. So, in any and event, it happens. Uh, Kim, I'm, I'm sure that it does. I'm sure that it does. Kim Lungmang is with us, and she is a podcaster of note. She's an author of note. She's a TV star, hence the term media sensation. And uh, she also gives out little bits of hope everywhere she goes. And so we, I, I was on her podcast the other day. We had great fun, and uh, and you're on this one today. And you're gonna, we're gonna be doing more stuff in the future. It's great fun. So welcome to the show. How are you? I am doing well, and thanks for having me on again. This is—it's always fun chatting with you, and you know, seeing where the conversation goes because you just never know. <laughs> no, we don't, and it can go anywhere. It can go anywhere, indeed. You know, we are so lucky, and we were talking about this last time. I—you know—who I got to talk to today. Her name is Christine, and she was uh, a top ten finalist on. Um, um, Idol, um, American Idol. Oh, wow. Yeah, and now she's got a children's book out. She's a mother of three. She walked away from the music business, uh, which is which is hard to do and, and stuff. So so anyway, yeah, that, that was fun. But you and I get to talk to some great people, and including each other, which is kind of fun. That's right, because we're great. <laughs> That's right. We've got, and we got apparently nothing else to do. <clears throat> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, just just in case anybody's wondering, there seems to be a little bit of a delay that we've got going on between us. Does that does that make sense? I I can I can see delay. Yes. Yes, you it's it sounds you know it's like the one of those connections that they have at CNN when when you, one person is in the studio and the other person is in Afghanistan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and they they have to count, like count to the go to the count of 2 or 3 before the other person actually is able to respond. That's what I'm doing, counting in my head. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully this will clear up here in a little bit. I'm gonna uh, see if I can't uh, uh, get rid of a few things that maybe maybe that will help. Um, does that sound better? 
it, it's it all sounds fine. It's just it seems like there's a delay in when we speak. Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid so. Well, it will it will limit our spontaneity. <clears throat> yes, because I have to count to two in my head. <laughs> well, how how have you been since the last time we talked, which is like a whole three days ago? Busy. I'm I'm always busy. I'm always working on something and meeting new people just like you are. And sometimes you you meet like-minded people and something just clicks and then you're all of a sudden coming up with all these really cool ideas of what it is you could do together and stuff like that. But um, I was actually just asked to be on the board for a organization, Horses and Heroes. And that's for, it's Veterans and Equine Therapy. And it's a national thing. I was very excited about that and I'm looking forward to see how that all unfolds as it, as it, as it goes. Cause it's, it's relatively new and all kinds of different things they have in the works in the future. So I want to know how that goes because of course I'm a huge veteran advocate and any, any way I can help support veterans. I want to. Don't misunderstand the next question because you being a media sensation and all, but how do they find you and how do they invite you onto the board? It was through someone I had, another veteran that I had maybe a year ago on my podcast and he and I have kept in touch and we're friends on you know, through social media and he lady somehow and referred me to her and said, Hey, you know, if you want someone who's, you know, passionate about helping veterans, you might want to reach out to Kim and talk to her and get to know her a little bit. And that's, that's what happened. And it was all because of the podcast. Isn't it amazing how things just happen that way? Yeah. That things just get lined up for you and then the way they go, and then you're off on a whole brand new direction. And it's, it's fun. It's fun seeing seeing how it goes. And you know what I learned? To not stress about where my path is taking me. To not try and force things. Like, oh, this has to happen. Or why isn't this working? And oh, and stressing yourself out. I decided, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, just said, you know what, Kim? Let it all go the way it's meant to go. Don't stress. And if it's at a turtle pace, who cares? You're moving forward. Letting everything just go at its own pace. And since I made that decision in my mind, I'm much more relaxed and different doors are opening. It's amazing. I was talking with a gal um, day before yesterday. And she was, she got in contact with me because she wanted to get into, you know, coaching and motivational speaking and, and a lot of things like that. And, uh, and then she called me up. And so I gave her some advice and talked to her for a bit. And I gave her my personal phone number in case she needed to uh, contact me and wanted to, because she said that she felt, you know, called, whatever that means to, to uh, contact me and stuff like that. So I never, I never doubt such things. Whether or not it's true or not doesn't matter. 
Um, because if they believe it to be true, then it's then from their perspective, it's true. And um, so then today she calls me and said, you know, everything you said yesterday was right. And by the way, I hate my job. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, let's take a step back and not force anything. Let's, you know, you've got school plan, you know, and all this stuff. And I gave her the advice that you just gave the audience is that uh, don't stress over it. Everything's going to happen in divine timing. Yes, the way it's meant to. And if you push it too hard, you'll get pushback yeah. in some form. And I found that, my, and I'm sure many out there listening, yourself included, if you're pushing too hard to try and force something to happen, you're going to get pushback from whatever direction. And things aren't going to work the way you want to. I, that's just my own experience. And so, yeah, like I said, about a year and a half ago, I just said, you know, I'm going to let things unfold. And you and I have said many times that the people that we meet are just amazing. And the ones that are put in front of you, they're put in front of you for a reason. You might not know what that is yet. You know, this one connection I had was from a year ago. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, I love, I love watching how this, how everything just kind of happens. You know, I'm very visual. So I get like this mental picture in my head. I'm walking down this path and different types of flowers start blooming. <laughs> and that's how I'm looking at it. You know, that's the mental picture I have on my little path that used to feel so dark and not filled with nothing but mud and stones is now, you know, lined with gorgeous trees and these flowers that just bloom, you know, they're just starting to open or some of them are, they're not opened yet. And you're like, okay, give it time. It's going to bloom in its time. You know, so that's the mental picture I get in my head of, of my path. It's much better this way than it was when it was dark and muddy and filled with rocks. Do you remember the movie, The Wizard of Oz? It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and when she goes down the yellow brick road and and she was in Kansas, first of all, she was in Kansas and it was black and white and it was dark. And and we had a black and white TV and then we got a, we got upgraded to a color TV. And I had I'd seen the movie before when I was a kid, but I never had a chance to enjoy the the panoramic color that in those days that was one of the first color movies ever made and it must have been really shocking for folks but but you know going i was just mentally going you're going down the yellow brick road with all the flowers and and everything in in in, in the pasture and stuff so it's really cool i love that movie the yellow brick road. and i too we only had a black, an old black and white console TV. Yep. That got three stations and had rabbit ears, so you always had to shift them to get the get rid yep. of the snow. And t and TV went off at I think what midnight. The American flag and the and the national anthem would play at midnight, and then it was just snow until the next day. Boop. Yep. Yeah, I did the same thing. Think we are apparently of a certain age because there are people that are maybe listening to this now or in the future that are going, wait a minute, three channels? Where'd you live in like uh, Antarctica? 
America. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and and in those days, it was black and white. We had a, like a a twenty six inch black and white TV, and that's the only TV we had. Yes, one TV, and it had that like big. It was rounded. The screen screen was rounded. Yes. It wasn't, you know, flat screen. And I know, like you said, the kids today, they're watching everything on their phones or their iPads or computers, whatever. We had three stations, ABC, CBS, and NBC. And that was it. That was, that was it. You know, I live my life through old movies and old TV shows. Um, do you remember when Star Trek was on the original series? Yes. And they had the, and they had the communicator. That he would flip it open, it was like a flip phone is now, and and we were like, "Gosh, this this is science fiction. That'll never happen." Yeah, I do remember that. I was in awe. I was fascinated by Star Trek, the original, when it first came out. I was fascinated by that show because you couldn't even imagine, you know. And now look, and it really wasn't, if you think about it, not that long ago, and all of this stuff. It's like everyday normal now. I'm waiting except for, for teleporting. Win. Except for teleporting. Teleporting and uh, also the uh, food uh, um, creator thing, whatever they call that. Um, but that's, you know, I think those things are coming. Probably. That's kind of scary, though. Well, you could be like uh, uh, Leonard McCoy, who... He didn't want to take his uh, atoms and throw them all around the universe and stuff like that. So, uh, but you know, no, so, but there's so many things have changed it's in my lifetime. It is, it really is remarkable. And, uh, and I'm, we're, I believe that you and I are living through the greatest period in human history. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I actually do agree because we have we have so much opportunity in every aspect of life that our parents and certainly our grandparents did not have. No, at all. No. Yeah. When my mother was born in 1930, they didn't have indoor plumbing in their house yet. Right. So it was still the old outhouse thing. I can't imagine having to go at three o'clock in the room. Of course, then they had the, uh, uh, the, um, the, what do they call them? A chamber pot. Right. You know, so I don't, I have no earthly idea how that would work, but apparently it did for somebody, but we were, we're so lucky. We've got indoor plumbing and we've got everything else. Chill. Huh? Chamber pot. Chamber Some of pot. them for the women way back when had li had lids on them. They were very pretty porcelain bowls with lids, and they would slide them under their beds. I was my grandmother was um, huge into antiques and going to auctions and flea markets and all of that. Taking me when I got older. And we went to this flea market and I said, look at this really pretty bowl. Is it a soup bowl, grandma? Look how pretty it is. She said, that's a chamber pot. 
<laughs> I thought it was a really pretty soup bowl. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could put soup in it, but not twice. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it is fun when you consider that. Uh, now you're you're a little younger than me. So, uh, what was your earliest memory that you have? Hmm. Being at my grandmother's house, and I think I was probably five, four or five, and my older brother, who's four years older than me, we found baby bunnies down this water pipe behind and we were bound to determine to save them and care for them. And all of that. And we, we we were able to pull whatever we could pull out with our little hands. And we brought them in the house to show grandma and say, look, we've saved them. And she said, get them out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of my earliest memories is saving little bunnies from a water pipe at grandma's house. See, and you've been saving little bunnies for the rest of your life. Yeah, you know, I haven't thought of that in a long time. See, and see, and that that's a metaphor for your whole life because you 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 work to save veterans. You you uh, give uh, um, little pieces of hope to people. You are doing a podcast. You're doing a television show. You're doing all this stuff, and it's all to save the bunnies. Uh oh. Are you there? I'm here. Oh, very good. Did you get the last part that I said? No, the screen's blacked out. Oh, we're having we're having difficulties today with the modern technology. Maybe they're they're mad at us for talking about before we had technology. Yeah. Could but be. No, I, I, I was just saying that that your whole life that that saving those bunnies was a meta, was a metaphor for your whole life, because you've been saving bunnies your 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 whole life. Be them um, veterans. And doing the television shows and the radio show and the podcast and everything that you do, and the, and the little nuggets of hope, um, you're saving bunnies. I had not looked at it that way. Well, I hadn't thought of that. That memory hasn't come to me in well forever. So interesting, though, isn't it? When you can look back and you see how a path was started, how that first stepping stone was laid out for you. And, and and it's all it when you look at it from that perspective, it's all it, it all lines up. It's for what you should be doing, and and stuff, and and so when and so that's 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 your role is that you're a bunny saver. <laughs> so what what is your first memory that you can think of? My first memory is um, 
going to <laughs> going to kindergarten where I I got an A plus in blocks and in uh, um, in naps um, and I and also we lived next to a cemetery and uh, oh. I remember and I was the youngest of three being the youngest of three I was the one who got put into the grave they just dug. <laughs> Because I was the youngest of three, and my brother had a rather sick sense of humor. So, did it make you fearful of Terry's throughout your life? And it uh, no, we actually played on the uh, in the uh, cemetery quite a little bit. Um, the only thing that scared me was when there was uh, when we noticed that there was uh, dark smoke coming out of the chimney of the crematorium. Oh, We're burning somebody. So. Yeah. yeah, that would. Yeah, I I actually I like cemeteries. I find them very peaceful. I agree. I agree because there's nobody there. They're not. But some people are feel fearful or they get sad. I. I will go and visit my grandmother and my grandfather and I just, I'll take coffee with me and I'll take a little blanket and I just sit on the ground and chit chat. It's, it's comforting to me. I guess that's the word because then you think of all those other souls that are there and the lives that they lived, you know, and I like walking around and seeing, you know, the time frames and, you know, going, especially going way back in the back end to where all the really old uh, tombstones are and, you know, finding some family members that you weren't aware of way back in there. And you just wonder about their lives and how all of that happened for you to be standing there at that, that all those lives were lived. And then that's what, that's what had you come along, you know, that whole continuation thing i don't know i find them i find them peaceful they are it, 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 i agree with you i enjoyed that as well going and looking oh look at this this one was you know like from the 20s or or the 1800s and stuff and it's 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 remarkable to me when you start looking at the history of people and how long people have been around and stuff that that there's so many people have died, you know, you don't think about it like that. Like there's so many of us and, and our time here is so short, but that's why we get to do other stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, and it, I know that, and like you said, we're, we're of a certain age. I, or do you find yourself thinking more about, all right, you know what? I'm heading into the winter season of my life. I'm no longer in the spring and summer. I'm like halfway through my fall season and heading into the winter season. It's does that make you uncomfortable when you're thinking about where you're at in your life age-wise? Age-wise. It uh, it only from the standpoint of it is going too damn fast and I've got too much to do. But my best friend from high school died when he was 64. I am now older than my older brother. 
because he died when he was 64. Um, so do you, do you ever pick up the obituary and go, my goodness, there's another young one or, you know, and so many, so many people of my age, I'm 65 now. So many people are, are dying of between 65 and 75 in that age frame. So I'm going, I've only got eight to 10 years left. That's not enough time. I need more time. So, um, I, of course, having said that, it would be better if I took better care of myself, too. <laughs> what there is doing? that. Yes. <laughs> you have to, you do have to put more effort into taking care of yourself the older you get. And I've noticed that, too. So, you know, I have a I've had to shift how my routines are, you know, my daily routine, because I got diagnosed with this wonky kind of diabetes. It's an, it's an uncommon form of diabetes. So that completely shifted my life completely about a year and a half ago. That's when my whole mindset changed a lot of things. But, you know, it changes your you, your whole outlook on things, I found anyway. Because I look at my mom. She just turned 80. And I remember my grandmother passed away at 80. And I remember thinking 80 was really old. And then now it's like my mom just turned 80. It's, it's kind of a, a strange feeling to wrap your brain on sometimes. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Now you being a, a, a woman and a beautiful woman at that, you will live longer than I will. Statistically speaking. Statistically because, women do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and which, which is why I, I remember I was actually took my, my mother to lunch. And we went to, uh, I think it was Red Lobster. And uh, as we were walking in, there was a, um, a van from a retirement community that was parked out front and, and in the handicap section. And so when we walked in, there was this great big, this row of like 14 people in the middle of the, um, of the dining room. And there were 12 women. And the 12 women were laughing and carrying on and having a great conversation. I mean, they all were, had white hair. And, and my mother, who dyed her hair till the last day she lived, uh, always said, look at those old people. And, of course, she was of the same age um, and stuff. But, but then I looked, at the, I looked at the two guys. And th there were two walkers at the table, and they both belonged to these guys. Now, they were the only guys left. And all the other guys were dead, and 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 they were just sitting there like. And this is my impression of what they were looking like. <laughs> they weren't saying anything. They weren't engaged. They weren't laughing and carrying on like the women were, and and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be vibrant and yeah, alive. No. And, you know, but I the, agree. The older... I, you know, I, I've often threatened my, I told my daughter for years since she was little and she's going to be 33 here pretty soon. And I've told her, I want to be known as the crazy Brady, the one that's outside feeding and talking to the birds every day in a ratty old sweater with whatever rescue dog I have with me at the time. And I keep on, I'm going to, that's, that's who I want to be known as the crazy bird lady. <laughs> and now that I'm in my fifties, I, I feed all the critters. I talk to all the critters, including the birds. And my daughter, at least now acknowledges 
that yes, I am the crazy bird lady. And I'm like, thank you. I taught you well. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, there's a point in your life when you realize that, that everything is temporary and, and just enjoy yourself and enjoy life. And, and, uh, and you just do the best you can because that's all you can do. And there's kind of right. come a time. Well, I, I, I told you the story of my mother, right? How she passed. No, I don't. I don't think so. She passed um, a year ago, July, and uh, I talked to her on Tuesday, which we or Tuesday was our day to get on the phone and talk to one another. So I talked to her on Tuesday. She went and went out to dinner on Wednesday. Uh, she played bridge on Thursday, went home and died on Friday. Um, nobody, nobody thought that she was ill. Um, she didn't seem to be ill and everybody, but she just, it was her time and it was, that was, it, and so she, she passed and it was a surprise to everybody, but you know, but that's, that's what happens to us is that there comes a time when it's our time and she had bigger plans to go to. Um, there was a party for her and everything. So, you know, it's okay. Um, so hi, no, let me. Go ahead. My grandmother, it's similar, a similar story. Um, she was 80 that morning and she was an avid golfer and walker and all of that. So she was doing her normal thing down, down in Florida, doing her normal routine. And she went every two years, she would buy, she would buy a new Lincoln town that was her thing. Every two years, grab a Lincoln Town car. So that day she went and got her new car, went and played nine holes of golf, came home, had lunch, laid down for a nap, and just didn't wake up. I can't imagine a better way to go. And so I said, what an awesome last day. Yeah. Yeah, because we all get to have one, um, and it would be nice if the, your last day was pleasant, and 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 it would be nice if you got to see some relatives and stuff. But you'll you'll see them, and they'll be they'll be fine. Um, do, now let me ask you: Do you do you feel like um, are you apprehensive of your own death? No, no. And I. Why? Okay, for for me and the faith that I have, I know where I'm going. I'm not fearful of where I may end up because I know where I'm going in my own faith. Um, you know, one thing that does worry me, though, and I know I shouldn't worry because it doesn't do any good. I don't want to leave anything left undone. <laughs> and... I want to make sure that my daughter is set and is fine. Now she is. I have no need to worry about the little niggling in the back of my head because I just have the one daughter. And I know when it's my time, it'll be very difficult for her. So I want to, I worry that I won't have everything in place to take as much stress off of her as I can. If that makes uh, sense. Yep. It, it certainly does. Which, which also, by the way, if you're listening to this and on your to-do list is to do a, uh, a living will 
and to update all of those things. So the, and and make sure all of your financial information is all taken care of, so that so that it's easy to find and um, that your healthcare is in good shape. That uh, so there aren't a bunch of bills at the end of the day and all that kind of good stuff. That's the best way to help our our kids. I I think is to make it as because it wasn't so easy for uh, us when my mom died because she wasn't expecting it. And so she didn't share right. her financial information with us because I'm going to be living longer than you are. So why should I even worry about it? She did. I I have as much in place as I can right now. And I've, I, I regularly tell my daughter, remember this, this, and this is in this envelope, this envelope, and this envelope in this safe, which is over here. You know, I have as much in place but, you know, here's another good thing um, for people to think about is pre-planning and pre-paying for your funeral. Yes. And, well, and not only that, making the decision whether or not you want to have one. Right. You know, I've found a lot of people lately don't. Nope. They don't want one. Um, or instead of being the, the typical viewing and burial and all that, it's it's now more cremation and maybe a, a like a picnic in the summer instead of having a memorial service or an actual funeral. I've seen that more and more lately in the last couple of years. Yep, yep. There is. I think there's a movement that that having a funeral. And um, it's expensive, number one. And number two, you know, I don't know about your mom, but I don't, when my mom passed, we really had no idea who her friends were or who to send mm. an invitation to. And all of her friends were in their 80s and 90s, and and she'd lost so many of them that it was hard to keep up. So um, we had a family thing, but that that's, was really more so uh all we did um and i don't think um do you know who john edward is no he is um a psychic medium he is so he talks he, he talks to dead people and uh, he's he's one of my favorite people and he had a, a lady asked him one time she said uh, my son passed away and i can't I, and we were very distraught and so we buried him and uh but we found out but i remembered later that he wanted to be cremated and and john said one of the most profound things that i that i can i can say to that he said after 30 years of doing this work i can tell you this nobody cares <laughs> because, because it's like um what was your first car a Plymouth Horizon. I beat you. I had a Plymouth Fury three. Well, when, <laughs> with a three eighty three into the hood, and and it cruised at like ninety miles an hour. It was a nineteen sixty seven, and um, I did not that I was driving in sixty seven. I was only ten, but that's when my parents bought it. Anyway, um, but I drove that car for a number of years, sold it, and didn't drive it again. Never knew what happened to it. And it didn't care. That's the same thing that happens to us 
is when our body stops functioning, when it's time for the car not to work anymore, we leave the car to go do what we do, but we don't care about what happened to the car. Cause it's, right. we don't, cause we're going to go get into a new car or we're going to go do something else. And so that's, that's, right. you know, when I, so when I, when I look at, at death, um, I'm not crazy about the process, you know, of, of doing that. And also the, the family members and, and, and make, and settling all your, your stuff before you go, but I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about the outcome. Um, and because I'm, I, my good friends, I'll tell you this too, Kim, I'm going to haunt your ass. So there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, what do you what do you say to that? I don't have any idea. <laughs> okay, yeah, see you then. <laughs> exactly, it'll be fun to say hi. It'll be fun to say hi. So, so you were just we're just kind of bantering about and talking about silly stuff, but no, not silly stuff. But but uh, what's on your mind today? What's on my mind today? You know, for a couple of days. And that's kind of thrown my my schedule and routine off. And the poor guy, he's uh, been waking me up in the middle of the night and having messes in the house, which he's never done. So, you know, he doesn't feel well because he's not able to make it to me before I can get him outside. And so I haven't slept well the last couple of days. And he's he's feeling better, but it's still, it's so much like you've got another kid and he's he's my buddy, you know, it's. It's, it's him and I every day, all day. And I just, I feel bad when he doesn't feel good. Just like when my daughter, when she was, or even now, when she doesn't feel well, I feel bad. And, you know, you want to make it better and take care and all of that. So actually that's the last couple of days. That's been what's been foremost on my mind is making sure I'm watching him close so I can get him outside. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, uh, and, and I'm sure making a mess in the house is like beyond embarrassing to him. Yeah, he doesn't. He would. I. He was acting almost fearful, although he has nothing to fear here, and he knows that. But his head was hanging, and I couldn't get him to come back downstairs because he came up to get me, and I came down and just went woo something happened <laughs> you know? and I couldn't get it. He, he didn't want to come down and I was like, come on, it's okay. You're not in trouble. Cause he'd literally never messed in the house. Now he's a rescue. He's about two years old when I got him. And I was amazed that he never once messed in the house, even being nervous or scared, you know, for being a new place. So yeah, he's been, at nighttime and it's been two nights in a row he's done this so i'm hoping tonight that we can sleep through because he is he seems to be feeling a little bit better poor guy <laughs> you know i feel so sorry for you because we as humans if we choose to we have a, a little bit of privacy because uh, we go off and we shut the door and all that kind of good stuff and, and nobody knows what goes on in there except for us but dogs and, and stuff, they don't get that opportunity. So it's like, uh, it's very public what, what happens to their, to their systems. 
Okay. I don't know. You must not have pets because I do not ever have the opportunity to just go into the bathroom and shut the door <laughs> without, without Dexter coming in and sitting there and staring at me the whole time. <laughs> just checking to make sure that you're okay. Well, no, I, yes, that's I, a, I always laugh. I'm always like, thank you so much for protecting me. <laughs> Don't fall into that thing. That's you got to be careful. No, you know, no, I, I, the last dog I had, um, he was, his name was Wesley. He was a border collie, beautiful dog, uh, smart as a whip. Um, and he lived to be 14 and a half. And, um, that was two and a half years ago. And I can't bring myself to get another dog because I don't want to go through the pain of losing him again. They don't live dang long enough. Yeah, I know. It's very hard. It's very, very hard. But you know what I thought to my, because I, I too had a dog prior to Dexter for 14 years. And he was my soulmate. This is just amazing. As everyone's dog is. But to me, he was, he was just, just an amazing, an amazing dog. And I was crushed, literally crushed for yep. three months. It was horrible. I was insoluble. I, it was horrible. But then one day, it was just like, there's another dog out there that needs you. And no, I don't want that thought coming in. I can't do it again. This three times in my life. I can't do it anymore. It hurts. And that thought wouldn't leave my head. It just wouldn't leave my head. There's another dog out there that needs you. And I went to the local shelter, which is, you know, it's a kill shelter here where I live. Um, and there was only one dog there, which is highly unusual. And it was Dexter. <sighs> and I brought him home. <laughs> what, what kind of puppy is he? He is a Belgian Malinois Mastiff mix. Is he like like 300 pounds? Is he a huge guy? No, actually, he's about 75 pounds. He has a black head, a fawn body, white feet, one blue eye, and one brown. <laughs> oh, they say those are the smartest dogs. He's very smart. He is very, very smart. And he's still, I had a DNA test done on him because every the shelter said he was probably three. And I got him home and I'm like, no, he's not three. He's, my, he's, he's young. He's still got puppy in him. So I had a DNA test on him. So he will be six. He's probably around six-ish now. And he's still full of it. <laughs> he's still... He's still full of it, full of uh, P and V. My grandma always used to say piss and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, yep. Well, I, I hope that uh, he lives for a really good long time and is healthy and, and doesn't have the hips and all that kind of stuff. Because my, my, my Wesley, he, uh, he was the type of dog that had an ego. And when I say he had an ego... 
what we I would take him out to this. There was this par three golf course, and uh, there was a strip to the side where you could throw a dog uh, a ball. And so I I actually took a golf ball and hit it with a racket ball um, racket. And it would go and go and go, and he would run and run and run and run, and then he would get it and bring it all the way back and stuff like that. Well, at the end of one of our sessions, he came up limping, and so he and his paw was really hurting. And so um, I decided that I would take him to the vet and just make sure that everything was okay. And he goes, he goes and limps to the limps to the van. And I open the van door and he looks at me and says, can you help me in? And so I help him in and he's, and he lays there and, and I close the van and go to the uh, vet, open the door. He, I have to help him out of the van because his paw still hurts. He limps to the door. I open the door and there is the nurse and another, and, and another person there. And they say, oh, hi. And he jumps up and down and he has no limp and he's just perfect. And he's and I say, they say, and you're here to see us. Why? He says, well, because he may have hurt his paw. And he says, it doesn't look like he's hurt his paw. He's just running around and having having fun. And so we have him checked out. And she says, well, he may have sprained something. It doesn't look serious. doesn't look broken or anything like that. And so I, I say, okay, thank you very much. I take him outside. We shut the door, and he limps to the car. And then I have to load him back into the car because he can't get in by himself. But there were beautiful girls there. that he, So his ego took over, and he wasn't going to show them that he was limping. No, not a chance. <laughs> he was playing. <laughs> he was. And it was, it, so it was like, aha. I got you now. I know what you're doing, but I I love dogs. I love the way they think. I I love the how they how they. I was married for 24 years. I had three dogs in that time, and they were the only ones that I could ever come home to and be sure that they were going to wag their tail when I walked through the door. <laughs> They're always happy to see you. They're always happy to see us, and I can't say that about the human that I was living with at the time. Um, but the dogs are like they're forgiving; they love you regardless, and 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 uh, they're just excited that every time you walk in the door. As a matter of fact, I had uh, and but the dog before that one. I just love telling dog stories. Uh, he was a uh, Australian Shepherd Labrador mix, beautiful dog, and smart as a whip. And we, my, my parents for their 50th anniversary said, we will take the whole family to Hawaii rather than having a big party. So we said, that's, that'd be great if we did, if you did that. And so they ever all, we were all going to go, but we couldn't take the dog. So we, we, I made the mistake, by the way, if you have a dog and you, and you're listening to this and you have to go on vacation and you have to leave them someplace, make sure that they know that you're going on vacation and just tell them and, and they'll, they'll get it. They'll understand because I didn't do that. I didn't realize that you could actually do that with a dog. So we took him to the, the um, kennel and they said, Oh, we take great care of our dogs and so forth. And so we bought into that and we were gone for two weeks and we come home and we go and get the dog and we get in the car and the kids are in the back and my wife and the dog is on the, on her lap he will not look at me. He won't 
wag his tail at me. He was so yeah. pissed that I did that to him because I'm the I was the alpha male and I was in charge and I was the one that did that to him. It took him three days before he would talk to me again. <laughs> yeah, my other dog digger. Um, it would take him a day and a half. He would be super excited to see when I first would pick him up and then get home. And he would remember. Him. And I, we always told him, you know, we'll be back, buddy. You're going to be fine. You know, all that. But he would still be angry. He'd be super excited and you'd get home. He'd be all excited running around. And then he'd realize, wait a minute. And he would literally leave the room and go and sit against a wall and turn his head to the wall <sighs> and not look at you. He would do that for at least a day and a half. And it was, it became comical because we did have to travel quite a bit for a while there. And it became, cool, you know, now with Dexter, he's like, you know, oh my gosh, this is another adventure. Yay. And then, you know, I pick him up and he's like, oh, it's you again. Cool. We do, what are we going to do now? I mean, that's, <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> those are, those, they're, they're both great kinds of dogs to have. But, uh, but you know, that, but uh, for people that when I was growing up, my parents did not believe my mother specifically did not believe that animals have souls. And no. even, the, and, and I just, I just categorically don't believe that at all. I, I believe that they're, that they have souls and that, that my dogs, I've got three of them. And I think a couple of them anyway, are going to be there for me when I cross over. And that's why I'm, I'm not particularly worried about crossing over. I don't particularly agree for people who have crossed over because I know what they're going to, I know what they get to do and what they're going to have and stuff. And it's like, you, you, you know, life was pretty shitty for you down here at the end. And so I'm glad you're doing that. And it's a lot better now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I firmly believe that, that the critters that I've cared for and loved over the years, and that's just, that's me. That's my belief. I believe they're going to be there. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be super excited about it. I'll be like, wow, look at you. Wow. Look, you know, I'll be super excited about it. Yeah. It's, it'll be, it's going to be exciting. I'm not saying it will happen soon, but I think it'll be pretty darned exciting, you know? Yeah. Because all the worries and all the pain and, all this stuff that you that you go through here on earth you know as us we're mere humans and you look around you and see all the suffering and what people are going through and it's hard sometimes to remember no matter what your faith is you know they're they're in better waiting for you and this is this is just the journey there you know i don't know pretty deep stuff for a thursday evening <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, I was, um, my father was, uh, he died when he was 76 and, um, he'd, he'd had, he'd fallen and, and broken his hip like five years before that. He couldn't play golf anymore. He couldn't do the things he loved to do. He really ended up sitting at home and watching TV and the stock market and all that kind of stuff. Cause he was into that. And, um, and I thought, and then he passed away at 76. And I thought, what if he'd lived five more years? And he said he would have been unhappy for that entire time. And feeling older, 
and I now I'm 65, and I can tell you, you're you're just a budding child in in your 50s. When you get to be 65, <laughs> you are thing. Excuse the expression, but shit starts to fall off that you had no idea was even there. No, I agree. No, and I, you know, I, I'm, I, I feel the age. You know, these little things you're going. Well, this is silly. That's what I'm always saying. Well, why does my knee hurt? This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then, and then because all I was doing was walking. <laughs> yeah. That's that's right. I, I went to the dentist. The, the, <laughs> I went to the dentist the other day because I had some implants that I'm having done. Because as you get older, your damn teeth start falling out and stuff. And so he was doing the implants and that's, uh, um, they're titanium. And, uh, I said, so that's, that's really good. I'm going to have three implants uh, in my face. And so when they cremate me, all they're going to have is titanium hips and implants. That'll be what's left of me. And I talked to a gal who was worked in a crematorium and she says, well, that's exactly true. They take the, uh, uh after, after the thing is done making you ashes, they take the parts that can be recycled <laughs> i don't want to frighten anybody here but they take the parts that can be recycled like like titanium hips and knees and that kind of stuff and they go through the recycle bin well that makes sense it's just nothing that people <laughs> typically think about well, or want to think about <laughs> that's right well it's not like they can take your your hip and and put it into a uh a uh, little jar uh, with the rest of you and stuff, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So it, it, people don't think about stuff like that anyway, but I do. So, you know, <laughs> it's such a strange conversation we're having. <laughs> I know. Years ago, years ago, I was in a, a networking group and each month a member of the networking group would offer a tour of their facility. And we were care. I was in healthcare at that time. So there's like maybe 12 of us that met um, every week, but once a month, someone would say, okay. So the one time it was a tour, a very in-depth tour of a funeral home. And we, we learned way more than what a lot of people wanted to learn. Some people had to, we had, after they could they didn't ever want to actually see what happens behind the scenes i was fascinated right. now on, they didn't have any there was no one there that they were showing us they were just explaining to us the different instruments and the rooms and what they did in those rooms and how this you know how the whole process worked it was a little it, was a, it did freak you out a little bit then, as you said earlier, the person who's they don't care. <laughs> you know? No, no, they don't. And just as an aside, because you haven't met her yet, and I'm looking forward to the time when you get to meet her. Or maybe you have. Have you met Holly, the gal that works with me? Was she on the first time I was on here? Short hair. Uh, no, no, that's Dana. No, that yeah, it's a different person. No, I have not met Holly. 
she <laughs> I grew up in the restaurant business and my first job was a graveyard dishwasher at Denny's which is about as low as you can get in the restaurant business <laughs> she grew up in the funeral home business and all the way from where I would consider the most difficult job in the world which is Charlie, um, hello, yeah, hello, boss, yeah, um, um, yeah, oh, got an address, yeah, oh, and what time did they die? Um, okay, uh, tell the relatives I'll be there in two hours, because somebody has to go pick up the bodies, and that was her first job right. was to pick up the bodies, and then she then she got a uh, a promotion, so that she could work in the crematorium. And then she got another promotion so that she could dress the people that were going to be viewed and stuff. And, uh, um, and then she became a funeral director. So she knows everything. If you ever want to know anything about the process of what happens to people when they leave your house after they pass away in or leave their house to when they get put in the ground, she can tell you everything. It's frightening. <clears throat> It, I could I could see how people would think it was frightening. I found it kind of fascinating because, well, it needs to be done <laughs> because your loved ones need to see you close to you as you were. So my my grandfather was a funeral director. He had a, he owned a funeral home and. When I remember when I was younger, my brother and sister and I sneaking downstairs because they lived upstairs, the funeral home. It was a really big building. Uh -huh. And so the funeral home was part of it. And the other part was their house. No, so, no, 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 no. So when we would go <laughs> visit. Down, we would sneak down the back stairs. We were never allowed to go down those back stairs because that's what took you down into where the bodies were kept and where the caskets were and all of that. But of course we were little and we always followed what my big brother did. So we would sneak down there and walk around and look at the caskets and, you know, like play tag amongst the caskets in the casket room. <laughs> Ew, icky. <laughs> <laughs> One, one really more, one, one other morbid story I have to tell you. I had a friend that was, he worked in a hospital and he was one of the guys that insulin, when somebody died in the hospital, he would, they would put him into the bag and then they would take him downstairs and they get stacked um, in this, in this refrigerated room until somebody comes to take them wherever they're going next. And, and it's, it's like three or four stacks high and the highest one you have to use a pulley system to, especially if they're heavy, have to use a pulley system to put them into place. And so that you, and he was saying one time that uh, the pulley slipped and this, and this body came crashing down and, and he felt around where the head was and he'd crushed the skull. And he said, gosh, I hope oh. they don't have to do an autopsy <laughs> if this was a murder, you know, or something like that. So I don't know how they handled that, but uh, that's so we 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 had a indecent laugh about that. Can you the stories? <laughs> can you I mean, every job has its stories that can be told. But I, have you 
have you ever watched that show Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe? Yes. I love that show and I love that guy. He he just cracks me up. But all of those jobs that people do every day that no one wants to think about and you take it for granted, I couldn't imagine the stories that they have, the directors, people that work in a mortuary, um, forensic people. Could you imagine the stories they have to tell? The ones that do the autopsies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, oh, just makes I... me, that just makes me go, ah. <laughs> Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You know, I could talk to you all day, but it's time for you to go have dinner now. <laughs> oh, it's past dinner time. I had dinner before I came on. Oh, well, it's time for you to take puppy dog outside so he doesn't go inside. It, it is, actually. It is, actually. <laughs> I know you have an internal alarm clock that says, puppy's got to poop. Puppy's got to poop. Yeah. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So, Kim Lang Lang has been, has been our guest. Tell us all about your information, how they can find you. Well, my name is Kim Lang Lang. I am really not a media sensation, but hey, some days I feel like I am. <laughs> if I learn anything of me or what it is I do about my podcast or TV show or any of the books that I might have out there, you can find all of that information at my website at simply, it's my name, Kim Langling author.com i just love talking to you i'm sorry we didn't you know this wasn't a very uh promotional podcast but it was fun for me it was fun for me too <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like we're just having a couple of friends having a conversation and i just love that so so thank you thank you so much for doing this can can i implore you to have come back and talk about, yes can i implore you to come back and talk about dead people some more Hey, anytime. <laughs> Kim, thank you so much. And if you're way right there, I'll be right back. By the way, it's uh, KimLingLingAuthor.com, correct? Yes. Kim and then Lingling is L-E-N-G-L-I-N-G, author.com. That's just perfect. And uh, I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.